Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. This is The Joe Martino Show. And today we're going to talk about understanding what does it mean to regulate yourself and, and as emotions go up in a conversation, how do we respond in a way that consistently offers us the best chance to be great communicators? Of course, we'll talk a little bit about politics and we'll talk a little bit about life in general and a few emails regarding a previous episode. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, my friends, welcome. I want to take care of a little bit of housekeeping business this morning. First of all, mark your calendars for November 21st. I will be doing a teleconference, which means you can tune in from home on your computer. It's free. Uh, We're going to be talking about survivors of suicide loss, people who have experienced suicide through loved ones, and, and, and how does that impact our lives? How do we heal? How do we continue to put our lives together while often a very large chunk is now missing? How do we deal with the trauma of being a survivor? If you have experienced suicide loss, if you have someone who has died by suicide, um, I would encourage you to tune in. It is free. It is uh, going to be free. Uh, You do have to register. We will have more information about that on my website. I'll have more information for you as we get closer. Uh, But for now, please just keep November 21st open on your calendar. And um, I I believe in this topic so much. If you know me, you know that I enjoy being out in the woods the second half of November from November 15th to December 1 is a very special uh, time here in Michigan for hunters, for outdoorsmen. And I... Um, I, I am giving, I'm not going to be a part of that for that day, uh, so that we can have a conversation about what does it mean to survive suicide. So tune into that. If you're not yet getting, um, regular updates from my website, you can go to joemartino.com, go to the subscribe page, put in your email and you'll get about 37 emails a year, right? So that's less than one a week. Um, but you will get them. And uh, in, those, in that vein, we are talking about some upgraded things. It wouldn't actually cost you money. It would just be different. I, I try to keep down the amount of times that you get something to your inbox as much as possible because if you're like me, there's a lot of emails to go through every day. Uh, and then I also want to talk about last week's episode, Cuties. Uh, the movie is what I talked about. What I actually hope that I talked about was how we make decisions. Got some feedback on it. A few people kind of gave the same argument that I actually argued against in the episode. One person actually told me that I called people names in the episode. I actually re-listened to it, and I don't know where that is. Uh, I have sent you back an email asking you to like send me the timestamp because I missed it. I- I've listened to it twice since your email, and I just I don't hear it. Um, so I need, I need more information. Um, and then some people actually asked me, about, well, wait, how is this an illogical argument? I actually went to dinner with good friends the next night, and... Um, Man, I keep saying, um, and I'm supposed to delete all those, but you're just going to have to live with my incompetence this morning. It's been a wild morning. Hopefully the coffee will kick in soon. 
But I was out to dinner with friends the next night, and, and I think the wife actually said to me, yes, it was the wife. She said, well, wait, why is that an illogical argument? Because that was kind of where I went. That was something that I thought about. And, and here's, here's why it's an illogical argument. For one, we're not talking, I'm not talking. Most of the people that I hear talking about, hey, I'm canceling Netflix, or I think this movie is child exploitation, they're not actually talking about the kids who will be watching it. Although I think that would be bad and wrong and would definitely do damage. What they're actually talking about is the kids who had to make it. And, and those were some of the, like the people who defended the movie. One of the, the most egregious arguments that I heard was that, well, you know, the, the, it was done with heavy uh, parental involvement. One woman even actually said the ends justify the means. I just don't buy into that. If you follow the satire site Babylon B, Babylon B, which I don't, but I have enough friends that do that I see what they make. Uh, I think Friday they made a, a thing about how Netflix just created a foreign film uh, where people are just shown walking around killing dogs so that you know killing dogs is bad. It's very provocative. And okay, you know, obviously we made a jump there to end of life uh, scenarios. But to me, that's kind of how I feel about it. So here's why... I believe that's an illogical argument. And if you don't remember, the illogical argument that I really, it just inflames me is when people are like, well, you, I don't know why you're worried about this. Why aren't you worried about TikTok? What it does is it moves the argument from the rightness or wrongness of the movie and, and brings in the rightness or wrongness of other things to it. Right? So, so what we have to do is we have to decide, is this movie exploitation or not? Once we decide that, then we can go look at things like TikTok and say, is there exploitation on TikTok? Well, maybe we should cancel TikTok then. Or no, there isn't, which I don't know how anybody can see TikTok and say there isn't. It's the only app that is like banned with stated severe consequences in my house. Other apps are banned, uh, but they don't have the stated severe consequences. TikTok has stated severe consequences uh, to be banned. But uh, like, so the people went out to it, she was like, well, there's, you know, there's junk all over Netflix. So why is this suddenly beyond the pale? And, and it was what I told her. I think for most people, what's beyond the pale, the reason this moves the line is because we're, we're actually exploiting little kids to make the movie. Even its supporters, many of them have said, look, the ends justify the means. Yes, this looks like exploitation, which by the way, there's a great old country saying, remember you're listening to a country boy here. Uh, if it walks like a duck, it talks like a duck, and you're stepping over duck droppings, it's probably a duck. So if it looks like child exploitation, and it walks like child exploitation, and you are stepping over cow excrement, it's probably child exploitation. And it's important that we evaluate it on its own merits. And so that's the, the illogical argument of it. There's also some other things, right? There's a, there's a dismissive nature to it. Oh, well, you didn't, you didn't cancel TikTok, but you have this. Okay, first of all, you don't know that, right? So it assumes facts, not in evidence, which, yes, that's a court of law, but it's also a good logical place to be. Make sure you understand the difference between what you could testify to and what you couldn't testify to. What you could testify to is fact and what you could testify to what you think is fact. Those are two different things. And those are always good communication. We're actually going to talk about that later today in the episode. And, and as you run this out, you have to, whatever this is, whatever the argument is, you have to focus on the thing that you're talking about. 
and to say, well, this over here, there's just a bunch of fallacies. There's another fallacy where if you can't solve the whole problem, you can't make it perfect, then you shouldn't solve any of it. That's a problem. Uh, if you can't clean all the water, I once heard it put this way, if you can't clean all the water, you shouldn't clean any of it. Politicians in Michigan, I'm looking at you in the city of Flint. Uh, you, you know, you, you can't do all of it, so don't do any of it. That's a logical fallacy. And I even told my friends I was doing with, I'm like, I don't care if people keep it. I get bothered when they attack other people who decide to get rid of it. Or they're, and I talked about this, so I'm not going to rehash the whole episode, I promise. We're going to be done here in about 40 seconds. Or they, they, they jump on the pseudo-intellectual hogwash train. I just hate that. And so that, to me, warranted its own episode. What I want to talk about today is how do we know to, when we should engage in good mirroring? And if you've been following me for a while, mirroring is the ability to catch what someone says and reflect it to them. Right? How, how do freedoms and conversation work? And so I want to talk about that today. And that's really what we're going to talk about. But I did want to touch on those things. If you have more questions about anything, please feel free to email me. Feel free to email me at joe at joemartino.com. Uh, J-O-E at J-O-E-M-A-R-T-I-N-O.com. You can find me on Facebook and send me a message. I will tell you, if I don't know you, I would prefer email. But I get it. Some people don't do a lot of email and they're more comfortable with Facebook Messenger. So be it. All right, let's talk about communication this morning. I love talking about communication. There's actually so many things I want to talk about in this episode. There's so many episodes that I want to get out. I was out to lunch yesterday with a friend and he asked me, he said, do you struggle to get content? And I was content ideas. And I was like, I have zero struggle for content ideas. I have a long list of content uh, that I want to get out. I actually feel like I need to take a week off from seeing clients, maybe two weeks to just record podcasts, but I won't do that. All right, let's talk about mirroring communication and how you can be a better communicator, even under the most stress and duress that you could ever feel in a conversation. And I want to frame this conversation for you. I hear a lot uh, when, when I'm out and about, I hear a lot of conversation about, you know, why do you think, Joe, as a therapist, why do you think that we can't have conversations about politics today? Why do you think that if people have disagreements, it tends to get ugly so people don't talk about politics? And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. For one, I think we've mislabeled unity and I think that we have labeled unity as we have to agree. And if we don't agree, there isn't a place where like, okay, you get to say your point. Like, I'll just pick something silly. I'm a Ford guy. I like Fords. Let's say you like Honda. And one of my favorite jokes for people that I, I am comfortable with, I'll say, oh, I don't, if you want to buy a Honda, that's fine. You know, they make great lawnmowers. Um, if you want to buy from a lawnmower company, so be it. And they laugh and I laugh. And then they say something like, well, Ford stands for fix or repair daily. Or found on roadside daily. Uh, usually they'll say side of road. And I'll always laugh. I'll be like, well, where's the S? Uh, right, and we have fun and it's okay. But let's just say that that conversation went bad. Part of the reason that goes bad is because, like I could say, well, I like Ford because, uh, and these are the things that I like about it. And they could say, well, I like Honda because, and these are the things I like about it. And we would probably be okay. The problem is when we move to politics, you know, my Trump supporting friends can't say, well, I like Trump because, without bringing up their enemy. And I'll use that word uh, with some trepidation, but I get the, the distinct impression that that's how they feel. And my Biden supporting friends can't bring up why they're voting for him without bringing up their enemy. In fact, most of them 
what catches me off guard is is a lot of times, like a lot of my Trump friends, it's not even like, hey, I'm voting for Trump. It's just I'm voting against Biden. And my Biden supporting friends, it's not that I'm voting for Biden. It's I'm voting for, I'm voting against Trump. And, and those aren't actually very good arguments. Sometimes they can be, but but I want to know why do you think, like, because here's the thing, like, it's, a, it's like saying, okay, well, I'm not going to eat that. Yesterday, I had a terrible experience. I accidentally drank uh, some coffee that had some spoiled creamer in it. Uh, not a lot. But it was gross. But that's like saying, okay, well, I shouldn't drink that. That's bad. So I'm going to go over here and I'm going to spray Lysol down my throat. That that doesn't work, right? So whoever you're voting for, whatever poli- uh, policies you support, whatever uh, candidate you support, it should be about why you support them. And then as we lean into that, right, we can have unity because you can believe what you believe and I can believe what I can believe. And I believe there are people that have strong political opinions that disagree with some of my strong political opinions. And very, very, very rarely do I think this person just wants to ruin the world. They just believe getting to best looks different than what I believe getting to best looks like. And and so I actually think that's real unity and that's how we have conversations of disagreement. And then I, I think another thing is is, is we, we've not developed the muscles in very many adults at all, and certainly not our younger generation, we've not developed the muscle of being questioned about facts, about sourcing your statements. Is this just an opinion? Is this just an emotion? Or is it a fact? And we've elevated emotions very high. And so when, you know, somebody says, for instance, I was having a conversation with someone this weekend and and they made a statement about something that President Trump did, and so I pulled out my phone and I Googled it. And I'm like, hey, I can't find anything, even on the news sites that hate Trump. I can't find anything that say this happened. And this thing that you're sharing with me is pretty egregious, pretty like, holy cow. Uh, do, do you have any links for me? Do you have any sources for me? And this is a face-to-face conversation. So it wasn't like I was expecting it right then. But they pulled out their phone, couldn't find anything. Now, to this person's credit, they didn't get mad at all. Uh, they were like, no, I don't know. Uh, something I heard on the radio. I'm like, okay, well, if you find it, let me know. I got a text from them, you know, this morning. Uh, no, I actually can't find anything. I don't know where it was. I don't know what that means. Okay, that's fine. That person didn't get mad. But my experience is, and my experience is anecdotal, but when I talk to other people, I find that their experience is as well, that a lot of people would get really angry when they are questioned about sourcing their facts. They get very upset when they are questioned about sourcing their uh, their statements. Like, okay, well, Joe Biden did this. Awesome. Do you have a link? No. Well, then that doesn't help me. Uh, I once had a person tell me that there. I, I was the president of a board, and I had a person who wanted to come in and present her stuff, which is fine, and she did, and we were talking. And then I don't remember why. Her and I ended up having an in-person meeting to discuss some things. And she said, hey, I just want you to know that some people have complained to me about this thing. And I was like, oh, who? Well, I don't want to tell you their names. Okay, then they don't exist. Because I can't run down innuendo and rumor. And a lot of how we argue is innuendo and rumor. I was talking to a guy this week, not about politics, but he's super smart. I hate that I use super as a modifier there. That isn't actually how that works. But he's very smart. And he's a BSer. He will, uh, he, he will spread snow and smoke because he's so smart, he's used to being right, that he's, he's given himself a pass 
to not be entirely truthful if he believes he has the gist of it right. And so some of you are like, what, what? And so here's the thing. Let's say that they're talking about child safety. Let's say that they're talking about high school graduation rates, uh, the conversion of master's degrees to edge two jobs, whatever it is. If he believes he the gist of his argument is right, he's willing to shade the truth or to state something as fact that he's pretty sure he couldn't state, he couldn't prove. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at, at processing data. And so a lot of times I'll say to him, well, okay, can, do you have a support for that? Can you tell me somewhere where that happened? I've not heard of this and I've spent quite a bit of time researching it. Help me understand what's going on. Like, how did you get there? And he, he doesn't typically get mad at me. He does get mad at his wife, which is how I met them. Uh, because she'll be like, well, wait, I, I don't know that I agree with you. And, and, and because he feels either he's caught or who is she to question him, I don't know, there's a host of emotions he could be having, he tends to react strongly. And that's the moment where freedom of communication should be self-regulated severely. Right? So... What I'm trying to do here is transition from the politician's conversation or the politics conversation, because when this episode drops, there's going to be a debate the night before. Uh, it's also National Podcast Day, all sorts of interesting things happening on the day that this episode will originally air. But but one of the things that I can almost guarantee you will happen if I get on Facebook the next day or if I go to a coffee shop the next day, people are going to be talking about the debate and their candidate is going to have been the one who stood up. And if they get questioned on it, they're going, many people are going to feel anger, right? And so as a society, when I have people ask me, well, why don't we talk? Well, one of the things is, I think we've got unity wrong. I think we, we've not developed our ability to, to be questioned, to withstand people questioning us. We're used to being right no matter what. And, and there's a lot of factors to that. That's probably a whole other day. And then we don't regulate our emotions well when we're upset in a conversation. And remember, uh, I've talked about this before. We don't actually regulate emotions. Emotions are born. They happen inside of us. But what we do with them, we regulate. We actually re regulate, one of my favorite phrases, the somatic expression of our emotions. In other words, we regulate our behaviors. And so being mad isn't a bad, bad thing. Being upset isn't a bad thing. Being frustrated that somebody else is voting differently than you isn't a bad thing. Treating them poorly because they vote differently than you is. And even this, I hear people say, well, they get what's coming to them. God, do we really want a society where everybody gets what's coming to them? I don't. I'll be honest with you. I don't. I do not want a society where I get everything that's coming to me. I look back at my youth and I'm like, oh my goodness, what was wrong with you? And, and I look back at situations that I handled poorly. And sometimes the person around me was handling it poorly too, but I, to, I don't control them. I own myself. I have to live in my own world, my own body, my own flesh. And so do we want that world? And so it's when we find ourselves being with high emotions, we have to regulate ourselves. And one of the ways we do that is with mirroring. If you remember, mirroring is where you catch what the person's saying and you reflect it back to them. So uh, communication involves at its most broad spectrum, two core ingredients are facts and feelings. What happened and what is my brain telling me about what happened? Uh, it's, it's what you experienced, that's the facts. And what your brain is telling you, 
about what you experience. That's often the source of the feelings. And so good communication covers facts and feelings. Good mirroring catches those facts and feelings and reflects them. It pushes them back to the other person and says, hey, here's what I think you said about what you experienced and how you felt about it. Is that accurate? It positions it as though we could be wrong. Good mirroring seeks to understand the other person at a higher degree than it seeks to have the other person understand you. It pushes you to try to understand the other person above you trying to get them to understand you. And this is what kind of became the impetus for me thinking about this episode. I was doing premarital education for a couple. You might know it as premarital counseling. Um, Not necessarily a big fan of that term. Host of reasons why. Another day, one of my mentors uh, kind of put me onto that idea. But we were doing it, and we were talking about mirroring, and the young lady said to me, she said, well, when do you get to make them hear you? And of course, the answer is you don't. And so... That was very troublesome. We actually spent, um, I think, three weeks on that. And 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 you don't get to make someone else hear you because that's on your square. You don't control whether or not they hear you. You only control what you do. But your chances go up significantly if you try to create a safe space for them. And I know that's a hot phrase today that gets a lot of un... un, un ah, it gets a lot of hate. <laughs> Imagine if I could talk. It's a good thing I'm not in a profession that requires talking. But if you can get, see, there's my ADHD. If you can get to a space where you have created safety between you and the person, your chances of being heard are much greater. If you convince them that you're not out to destroy them, that you're actually not out to make fun of them, that you're not out to laugh at them, that you're not out to look at them with a face like, oh my goodness, how can you believe that? And and actually that you care about them, they will be more likely to listen to your side. And this is something that we lose in couples. It's something that we lose in society. It's something that we lose in parent-child conversations. We tend to want to win and be right more than we want to be reconciled to the other person. And so mirroring says, let me understand you. I want to make sure that I understand you. So I'll ask questions. Sometimes, you know, if there's not a lot of emotion, you can say, hey, I'm not sure I understand what you're saying. Could you say that in a different way? Or, hey, I think you said this. Could you tell me more about it? Could you help me understand it better? I'm not sure... You know, and based on what I've understood, I kind of looked at that differently. Could you help me understand how you came to your conclusions? So, so if you're saying this, right? So we could say something like uh, somebody went to, uh, let's just say somebody shows up at your office. If you're local to West Michigan, uh, Big B Coffee, and they're down in Ohio as well. Um, I don't know that they're out in PA. Those tend to be my three biggest states. And then there's Texas, uh, and Florida, and I know for, I don't know for sure whether or not they're in Texas or Florida. So whatever. Somebody shows up with Big B coffee and somebody else says, oh my goodness, how can you drink Big B coffee? That's so gross. If you're having a bad day, if you don't know the person, if you don't like the person, you're going to be tempted to kind of escalate, right? And so you might be like, well, it's better than the crap you drink. That's bad communication. Good communication might be deciding not to engage at all. Just like, oh yeah, I know you don't like it. Ha ha ha. And go to work. Or it might be, oh, well, what do you like better uh, about the coffee that you get? An invitation to elaborate. What do you like better about the coffee you get? Oh, what don't you like about Big B's coffee? Or what do you like about the the company from Starbucks? The company from, I was going to say the company from Seattle, which is Starbucks. But what do you like about Starbucks better than Big B? Or what do you like about locally grown? Or one that I get a lot is when people are like, I don't know how you drink Starbucks coffee. I just shop local. I got to be honest. I don't understand that argument because everybody that works there is local. And so I'll often say, what do you mean by shop local? 
Because I believe in shopping local. I want to shop local. Uh, literally, when I'm done recording this, I'm going to go grab some hot chocolate from my son or for my son from a, a Bigby, which is locally grown and sourced and all that and started here in West Michigan. So I don't know what you mean by I can't believe you don't shop local. But instead of going on the attack, I want to ask them, what does that mean? In session, I'll have somebody tell me why I think you're wrong. Okay, awesome. I appreciate that. Tell me why you think I'm wrong. Here, here's the thing. Uh, this isn't just my, you know, opinion that I got off of Google. I actually am kind of in this field. And that can be a logical fallacy as well. So a few of my logic friends, I'm, I'm not appealing to authority there, but there is a reality, a, a car mechanic probably has a better opinion about my car than I do. So I'll say, okay, well, tell me what part do you exactly, do you actually exactly disagree with? And why do you disagree? What do you think is wrong about it? How would you correct it? I start asking more questions. What I'm not doing is saying, well, you're wrong. I'm inviting them to elaborate. And here's the thing. I don't actually feel my emotions go up in that, but I'm, I'm trying to use illustrations for you because you will find your emotions go up or you'll just be, I don't want to talk to them. So and right now, what we typically do, what I see in society is people either go and they eviscerate the other person or they just cut them out of their lives. There's got to be a better middle ground. Now let's move it into like, what if it's my wife or my kids, etc. When you start to deal with family, our emotions will, will be uh, primed to be higher, to be stronger. And here's a good general rule of thumb. The higher your emotions go, the more control, self-control, self-regulation you want to put on your communication. So a couple weeks ago, I was talking to someone about the, uh, what is she? The Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos. And while that person had very strong opinions one way, I don't. And so we kind of had this conversation. I was like, there's not a lot of emotion in this. I was teaching them mirroring. I was like, so you don't really have to spend a lot of time mirroring me. You don't have to spend a lot of time catching up to, because I don't really have strong emotions. But as you feel those emotions escalate for you, you're going to want to have some mirroring because most of us, when our emotions go up, we tend to stop thinking about how do I solve the problem and protect the relationship. And so as we lean into that, as we move forward into that, mirroring is important. Good communication skills, catching what they're saying. So this is what you experienced and this is what you felt about it and passing it back to them. Uh is, is necessary the higher up into emotions we go. The more emotions we feel in the conversation, the more we want to make sure that we are seeking understanding before we are trying to communicate our feelings or our thoughts or what we believe. And we're, what we're doing when we do that, especially with our loved ones, is we're saying that we trust you enough that if I seek to understand you, if I work to understand you first, if I work to really understand where you're coming from, if I put in the work, I trust that you'll do it as well. I trust that you will seek to understand me and help me uh, to be uh, the best version of me that I can be, that you will seek to understand me in this disagreement that we're having. And that's really important because most of us, when we don't feel understood, we start to escalate more and we try to shove what we're trying to get uh, say and what we're trying to communicate. We try to shove it down the person's throat or we just walk away. And instead, if we try to just say, okay, you know what? Let me understand you first. Let me really dig into understanding what you're saying, what you're, what you are experiencing, what your brain is telling you about what you're experiencing. You might ask questions like, okay, so if I hear you right, you're saying that I'm not being a very good husband to you in this way. 
what would it look like to you for me to do that? And instead of just saying, oh, I can't do that, say, okay, well, what would that look like? So, and here's a, here's an example of how I did it poorly a number of years ago. I was an athletic director for a number of years. Um, and I keep saying, um, today, I apologize. But I was an athletic director ago, a number of years ago, and I had a cheerleading coach that, I'll just be honest, we didn't get along. I didn't really appreciate her. She didn't really appreciate me. I didn't fit well into the culture of the school. It was a private school. And private schools tend to have problems that are unique to private schools. We'll just leave it at that. And this cheerleading coach and I didn't get along very well. We didn't, we never fought. We never, we just, we viewed the world differently. And so I asked her one day, I'm like, hey, what do you need for the upcoming year? And literally everything that she wanted, I couldn't do. And I knew that. But I led with that. So I was like, well, we can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. And she got really angry with me. And I was like, well, I don't understand why you're angry with me. I'm just telling you what I can't do. And she's like, well, it doesn't sound like you can do anything. And she was right. There wasn't a whole lot I could do unless she was willing to do some fundraising. And so we talked about that. And she said, I just would prefer that you would have led with that. And I realized now, well, not now today, but I realized years later uh, that, that the real problem was she needed someone to hear her. And I was young. I was in my 20s at the time. I didn't do a good job of understanding the conversation that I was having with someone in the context of their life. And this is really important. I'm a little nervous to do this at this point in the program because this is where tem- people tend to stop listening. So, But I need you to hear this. You, If you want to be a good listener, you have to place the context of the conversation that you're having with the person in the context of their life. So if they're going through a divorce, their kids are leaving them, uh, they're having a parent die, they just lost their home, or or they're just in a cycle of, of hurt and pain and suffering in their home, the context of the conversation you have with them at work is going to be affected by that. If it's your spouse and they're having a terrible time at work, things are going off, it's going to be in the context of that. Or if you married someone who was abused as a child, they're going to respond to different stimuli differently. You have to place the context of the conversation in the context of their life. So you have to place this disagreement that you're having with them. Trump's the greatest. Biden's the greatest. Uh, Ford's better than Chevy. Peanut butter's creamy is better than peanut butter crunchy. I'm kidding. We all know all peanut butter's good. Uh Whatever it is that you're doing, it has to be placed in the context of their life and yours. But we're talking about you being a great listener, which I believe you can do if you're willing to self-regulate yourself and really lean into mirroring. So this is what you're saying happened and this is how you felt about it. And at this point, you might not even agree with them about what happened. And, and so you could say, hey, can you tell me more about that? You might reflect to them what they said. So when they say yes and they tell you more about it, you reflect that. And then you get down to this one word answer. Maybe then you say to them, okay, well, uh, I'm not sure that I experienced it the same way. I'm not sure that I agree with you that that's how it happened. How do we come to some place where we can both be healthy together in this? Inviting them to health with you. I had a conversation a couple years ago with a guy and I said to him, I was like, I just don't think we're going to agree on this. He got really angry and stormed off. Told me I was going to get mine. It was crazy. In a very public place. Years later, he came to me. He was like, hey, uh, sorry about that. Uh, That was just very personal to me because of this thing that happened in my life. 
And that's when I said, I, I kind of thought there was probably something like that in your life. I didn't know what it was, but I, you know, I appreciate it. No big deal. And we moved on. But good communication seeks to understand before it seeks to talk. And it places the conversation in the context of both people's lives. Those are two really important factors. So if, if you found yourself getting upset with me over last week's episode, that's fine. Can you reflect to me what I was saying? And sometimes I'm doing a bad job. Like, like there are times when I'm having a conversation with my wife or my children. And, and so my daughter and I were talking about it. And she's like, well, I don't know, you know what I think about cues. And I said, okay. And at first I found myself getting really dialed up. And finally I said, okay, just tell me where the line is for you then. What is the thing that the filmmakers would have to do for you to say I've had enough? I, I want to start there. I don't know that I'll agree with it. I might draw the line sooner, but what does it mean? My wife says to me, hey, I think we should do this with the girls, and I disagree. And she's like, well, here's the benefits. Okay, well, I'm not sure I agree. Tell me more. And, and understanding, an invitation to understand. Uh, I think you could be a better husband if you did that. My wife would never say that, but I'm, I'm just trying to pick something that would be inflammatory. Uh, my wife, not that I'm perfect, but my wife would just start it better. Because here's the thing. Sometimes the person we're talking to isn't doing a good job communicating to us what they're feeling or they're not able to express it or they're saying things that are inflammatory. And if we can commit to mirroring, even when we feel our emotions rising up because they're saying inflammatory things, what we're able to do then at that point is reflect it to them and we help both us and them diffuse and it benefits the relationship. All right, I hope this all makes sense to you. I hope it's something that you take today that you can take literally right from listening to this episode and you can start applying it to your conversations. Thanks so much for listening. I know you could do anything with the time that you spend to this. Thank you so much. The people who have been reaching out and telling me, hey, I've been binging your podcast. I appreciate it. I would encourage you, please share that with your friends. Share it on your social media. The best way that I have to share the information that I'm trying to put out there is through you, the listener, sharing it with your friends. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.